0: I am very proud of it, and I feel like they're finally getting their day in the sun, and their story is being told, and I think, I know, I know for a fact it has already helped some people with their family history. I attended a family reunion, and it was based on one of the soldiers, and she found her way to me, and I was able to link her to a man that had a completely different name than what we have in the book, and I went to their family reunion. And he has, uh, at that moment in time, 271 great-grandchildren. His last child was born when he was 73 years old.
1: Hi, this is Stephanie Fallon.
2: And this is Tony Russo.
1: And you're listening to another episode of So, What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, the stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have Dr. Clara Small and Teresa Neild, who co-authored a recent nonfiction book entitled, They Wore Blue and Their Hearts Were Loyal. This project focused on African-Americans, both free and slave, who were enlisted into the Union Army from Dorchester County, Maryland. So, welcome to the podcast, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. So, I'm glad to have you back here talking about another uh, historical project. This one is a continuation of the work that you did with Dr. Uh, I mean, I'm Reverend sorry, Burdell. Reverend Burdell. Yes.
3: And it's strange that Terry and I didn't know each other.
1: Well, I was going to ask you, like, how you guys met, because I know you worked with uh, David Burdell on the first one. So, and now you and Terry are working on this one. So, what was that? How did that transition go?
3: Well, we had a mutual friend. And, uh, we were at the Harriet Tubman conference and walked into each other, and she said, You, Clara Small? I said, You dare it? And we started talking about um, what we were doing, and we found we were working on the same thing. It's uh, trying to identify African-American soldiers from Dorchester County, Maryland, who served in um, the Union Army during the Civil War, free as well as slave, And the idea was to get as much information together about them um, so that family members could even trace their heritage back to them. And we became obsessed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And Now, Dr. Small, I know you already were working on this, but, but, Terry, what brought you to the—why were you working on this?
3: That I
0: can't explain. Mm. I was researching for an exhibit— on the Civil War, specifically on Gettysburg. And one of the soldiers kept um, coming up, and he was from Church Creek, Maryland, which is in Dorchester County, and he piqued my interest. I started compiling a list of as many soldiers as I could find, and then when I met Clara, we sort of expanded the project to include a little bit more information than just the name, rank, and serial number.
1: You two link up and realize that you're both working, essentially, on mm. the same project. Yes. So instead of deciding to be rivals, you decided to team up.
3: Hey, why recreate the wheel? Right? She had <laughs> some information. I had information. So we started talking about it and started putting it together. And it became, um, oh, as I said, an obsession. Well, plus, working
0: together, we were able to, I hate to say this, but proof each other's work. Yes. To vet the soldiers' more fully and make sure that we actually had the people who were actually from Dorchester County because some soldiers did not identify themselves as being from Dorchester County just from the eastern shore of Maryland.
3: And that's a problem because we may have to do an addendum for eastern shore Marylanders not identified by county. Hmm. And so it might become 500 or whatever. We don't know.
1: So you decide that you're going to write about—you're going to go capture this uh, biographical, geographical data on these soldiers— Where do you go to find that? Is it in Dorchester County's library? Is it at the historical site? I mean, I think you spent time at the National Archives? or Oh, God.
3: No, at the State Archives in Annapolis. Oh, that's right. I have basically lived there for a while.
0: I, I use the National Archives records, which are online, through a subscription. Okay. And so we both were working on basically the same thing. And we were both interpreting basically the same guy's handwriting. And so we were getting the same information. But we used many, many sources beyond just those
3: two sources, um, National Archives and Maryland Archives. And local records, manumission records, which which were records uh, of um, slaves being freed by their owners. So we ended up with the names of the owners as well as the slaves. Uh, We ended up with a massive amount of information. And um, sometimes individuals would tell us stories and pension records. From the pension records, we found out that uh, um, there were individuals who may have been married and their name, the names of their wives mm-hmm. as well as their children, which is another source to for individuals to trace their family back to.
0: And especially on the pension records when they had to prove their marriage because um, African-American marriages didn't exist in the state of Maryland during, pre, pre, prior to the Civil War. So they would have to prove that they were married either by a witness or by a sworn affidavit of the reverend who performed the ceremony. What? So in and these neighbors, yeah, oh. and in these witness testimonies, you can glean way more information. Well, my brother Charles was at the wedding, and then they would interview Charles and ask him what he knew about the wedding, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
3: So we have a massive amount of information.
2: If you haven't picked up the book, it has some, some basic information, but then it has, like, short to mid-sized biographies of, I guess, as much of the information as you can get from the soldiers' records, from records like this. Well,
0: we could
3: have, we could have done we can, a lot more, I
0: but the, like, book, <laughs> yeah. the
3: book would have been huge. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I can tell that. Massive. I mean, like an encyclopedia. So we included the names, the rank, the age. Their description. Their description, the uh, uh, color of their eyes, color of their hair, their height. Um, Oh, my gosh.
0: A little bit about their military records. Yes, the military Um, records. Where they
3: mustered in, mustered out. Right, and if they uh, died, where did they die? Um, Who their, some of the close relatives were.
1: Maybe we should throw this out there. Uh, We published uh, this book for you. And I remember as I was going through doing some of the layout work, I mean, it was just, when I started into the names, um, initially I had, like, you know, one per page And then I realized the book was like over 700 and some odd yes. pages And I thought, I'm to have to condense this down So they had to figure out some creative layout work To um. get it from 700 to uh, 318 or 340 something <laughs> I think it is now But what I was struck by, there are 563 souls yes. That you both accounted for
0: I am very proud of it And I feel like they're finally getting their day in the sun And their story is being told And I think, I know, I know for a fact it has already helped some people with their family history. That's incredible. Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, that's real, real incredible. I actually have a personal
0: story of last weekend. I attended a family reunion, and it was based on one of the soldiers. Really? And she found her way to me, and I was able to link her to a man that had a completely different name than what we have in the book. His last name was the same, but his first name was Webster, and Webster did not appear in any of the roles, either from Clara's research, my research, Agnes King Callum's right. research, anyone's research couldn't find him. And I finally surmised, put together, and it was a long process that they were one and the same. Wow! And I went to their family reunion, and he has uh, at that moment in time two hundred and seventy-one great-grandchildren, oh, get out. and his last child was born when he was 73 years old. So that was an <laughs> amazing day for me and the person who was the researcher doing on her, on her soldier.
1: Right, so that's like real-time feedback that you're getting from, from this research. Oh, yes.
3: And it's amazing that you can get that much research, and there's still more to be found about those individuals. And it's an inspiration for family members to say, oh, I had an ancestor who served in the Civil War. Because most, in most instances, African-American history does not go back that far, especially in some areas. Because most of the information was written about them, if anything was written, right. not by them. Because in many states, uh, it was against the law to teach a slave how to read and write. And so... This will help them get in touch with their families, and their
2: ancestors. To go backwards. One of the things that I'm amazed at is that you got it done as quickly as you did. And, and I know it took a long time, but like, how do you have the the ability to say, okay, I have to stop making up a whole book about this one person and then move <laughs> on? Because I, I know that when I do my own research, you, after a while I'll be like reading for an hour and I'm like, you, not only isn't this useful, this isn't even what you started with when uh, <laughs> you get down yeah, those rabbit holes.
0: In, in genealogy, that's called a BSO, a bright, shiny object. So you, you're not on your main focus guy anymore. You're on his second and a half right. great, grandson <laughs> or something.
1: You're listening to So What's Your Story? And today we're talking with co-authors Dr. Clara Small and Teresa Neald. For writers, most of us and uh, Tony and I, like our projects, have been solitary. And I think this is the first time we've ever had co-authors on oh. on the podcast. So you were our first podcast, and you're our first co-author podcast, oh, Clara. My oh my gosh! But um, history maker. You, you, she's <laughs> that is that is um, that's our Clara. So the uh, you know writing is a very solitary process. We do this by ourselves. But you banded together. What was the partnership of writing this book like?
3: Oh my oh. gosh. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It was fun <laughs> um, to be able to bounce an idea off of someone else who fell in love with the same project. Right. And as I said, we became obsessed and she calls her, I'm obsessed with this. I said, that's okay. I am too. <laughs> so it was, it was fun to bounce ideas off of each other and to talk about an individual. In many instances, well, several instances, we had um, same names but a little bit more information. One of us would have more information than another, and we would talk about it. And it became so much fun.
2: It's it's like doing a cross, not a crossword, but like a jigsaw puzzle. Yes, over the telephone. Like I, my piece looks like this. What <laughs> does your piece look like?
3: <laughs> it was fun. I I loved it. I loved every minute of it. It was great.
2: And so, going forward, what what is the What is a plan for this book? You you said that you did. Did You were able to that you were forced to, I guess, sell some of the books while you were out at the. Have you guys been making a lot of the rounds and selling books or doing talks or anything I, like that? I've been
0: laying low with it, but um, I'm not afraid to, you know, go out and talk about it. It's mm-hmm. it's been a um a whirlwind. I never expected us to be finished as quickly as we were finished it. And to be honest, we're not finished. You know that. <laughs> no, no, no. Are you
1: finding that there, as you as you talk to people, like, for example, you just mentioned this family, are you finding that, like, you go and you're like, oh, that's going to be an edit that I'm going to have to make or something? Are you finding <laughs> um, that?
0: Well, that could be. I never thought about including him again, you know, with mm-hmm. the new information. And her, her grandfather on the other side, he was also in the USCTs. So he's, you know, there's more to this. But the part that our next part of this book is the soldiers that we're still finding and the sailors because a lot of the soldiers were transferred into the Navy. April the 17th. And once they went into Naval Service, it was a completely different set of records. And their uh, documents are quite lengthy, sometimes 200 pages long to read. So it's a lot.
1: 200 pages for each person? Yeah. Holy smokes. And, and how, how many people are we talking? For one person. But, I mean, how many people have you found that qualify in oh that? God.
0: Well, a lot of them that are in this book were transferred. They the they went in, they enlisted into the Army, and then the shortage of the Naval forces forced the Army okay. to take some of their men and put them in the Navy. So those soldiers, that, that's a little bit more pursuit there that needs to be done. And I've identified 44 additional soldiers from Dorchester that we don't have in the book.
2: And now why were there so extensive records in the Navy as opposed to the Army?
3: The Navy Uh, did not segregate.
2: Ah, so you have to go through the ship's records?
3: No, I
0: haven't gone through those. I use um, what's called a rendezvous report to uh, confirm when they were transferred into the Navy. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I go to the Naval Service records, which are their— um, in essence, pension documents. And then there's, um, that's on the soldier once he files for a pension. And then there's the widow's pension. So they're all available through a subscription online. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I can do at home. Mm-hmm. And you see, she's the computer.
1: <laughs> and then you're the one burning up the highway to the archives. What about having a ball. <laughs> well, when I remember you were telling me a story that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I remember you telling me this story that you went to the state archives while you were working on they were they were blue and the hearts were loyal, and you got into a section and you found a a box, you found documents that, that the archives that they, they didn't had, know they that. had. Wow. And
3: as a result, I'm going through it and they said, Well, what are you looking at? So I began to tell them about this. Oh my god, we didn't know we had those. So Lots of times when I'm there, people coming over, looking over my shoulder. What are you doing? And finding more and more information. And they say, oh, well, we got to tag that. I said, okay. <laughs> Just make sure I'm able to get to it the next yeah. time. Because and people would be coming in, doing uh, trying to do some other research, and I I would be stopped because people wanted to know wanted me to explain what I was working on. Right. And so lots of times you just say, okay, another hour is gone or yeah. well, two hours. <laughs> but it's putting, as you stated, a puzzle together.
2: Right. And, and it's, it's, nice to ha- it's nice to have people. It's nice to know that people are genuinely interested. Oh, yes. Right. Like, like you're, doing it, you're, you're doing it for yourself and you love to do it. But also it's going to be useful to at least one person who come up to you and say, oh, wow, that's cool. I can't wait to see when that's oh, yes. done.
1: Oh yes, that's
3: the fun part That's the fun part, yes
1: So it's almost a, It kind of reminds me, like when I've been Doing some research, sometimes you feel a little bit like A detective, you know, oh, you're yes. kind of trying to Sort, like a, you know, you're kind of trying to Peer through the fog and trying to Put, kind of and, and to figure out why did that happen
3: Why did this person do such and such And How can we explain it Accurately Right Right. And make sure that it is portrayed um, in a way that people who are not historians or researchers or genealogists will understand. And it gives another side of the Civil War that most people are not aware of. Because remember, I had a student who said, Oh, blacks have never done anything on the Eastern Shore, and definitely not in the country. I said, Oh, no. Repeat that. Mm-hmm. And when he did, I said, "Okay, am I going to go to jail for killing him, <laughs> or what?" So the idea was to start doing the
2: research, right? And, and to bring it all out. Do do you, would you mind sharing? Do you have any favorite stories? Favorite stories that not that didn't make the book, but the, the longer story that didn't make the book. Do you guys have any particular ones that uh, that stand out? Like things that you found out about some of these uh, servicemen that
0: I can't um, tell that one.
2: That Why he's probably oh. dead right now. Old <laughs> dead. Well,
1: I know when I was. I know when I was uh, laying out the book. There was a, a gentleman in here um, who he was free, and I and I cannot remember his name, and I and I wish I had committed it to memory. But he was a free. Uh, he was free. Uh, enlisted into the. He was enlisted into the into the service, and then he died, and then a, a white man tried to make a claim on him. And said that he was his slave, right? But he wasn't able to prove it, and then he got denied. And I thought, I think it was it it was those kind of moments where the reality of what the Civil War was. I mean, that really hit home for me Mm -hmm. because I was like, wow, this man was free, and this man is trying to profit off his death. And it was
3: there were several of those like that. Yeah, and you wonder why did that happen, but there were different individuals who were listed as their owners sometimes and then as you stated had to prove that they were the owners and when they couldn't they didn't get the
2: $300 which was which was the price for for loaning a slave to the yeah.
0: It was compensation. Yeah, yeah. compensation because they were manumitted at the same time right. that they were enlisted into the Army. But um, Colonel Bernie was kind of oh ruthless, gosh, and he uh, yes. <laughs> he took the person, whether they were a slave or, or free. a free, <laughs> and didn't listen to the slave owner at, at all and, and took them and put them into the Army anyway.
3: And Bernie's father ran for the presidency of the United States. So... So many stories and so many things that connect all of these individuals. And Bernie, my God, he uh, enlisted so many more slaves and free blacks in the U.S. Uh, CT, U.S. Uh, United States Color Troops, than any other.
2: Now, is this you're, you're making it sound like they were Shanghai as much as like <laughs> how close to Shanghai was that?
3: Not necessarily Shanghai, but <laughs>
2: close in some
3: respects. I
1: don't think there was a lot of choice. <laughs> no, at, it wasn't. Many <laughs> times. I don't it think there was a lot of... It
3: wasn't. Uh, but that, that was the nature of war at that time. Mm-hmm.
0: I think amongst the free population of blacks, there was a choice. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them um, went to other states before Maryland even allowed... African Americans into service, because that was up in the air and it was all over the place for a number of years, wasn't it?
3: Oh, yes, until 1863. Oh, wow. Yeah, the war started in 1861. Um, See, there was a, a lot of politics going on. For example, the Emancipation Proclamation. There was a preliminary Emancipation Proclamation in September of 1862, With the preliminary Emancipation Proclamation, Lincoln gave the southern states precisely 100 days to return to the Union. He said, if you don't, then January the 1st, 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation goes into effect. Right. It went into effect. Slaves thought they were free. Okay. So many slaves simply packed up or picked up and left. Okay. Many were absconding from their owners long before that. But everybody thought that it was a legal document. Not really. It was a military strategy document.
2: Right, That's basically that what it was. Can.
3: Right. Right. And it was also designed to make sure that England and France, who needed uh, cotton and called cotton diplomacy, to make sure they did not give support to the southern states. So a diplomatic document as well as a military document. Emancipation Proclamation did not free one slave. How do you (laughs) free someone when you don't have control over the area? (laughs) Right. And you don't. So (laughs) that's a wrinkle that most people don't think about. And so it was playing politics with the lives of individuals, also trying to force the southern states back into the Union. So it was much more complex than it appears on the surface. Plus...
0: The Emancipation Proclamation did not apply to Maryland as That's a border right. state, and That's true. it was a mess. And Hicks, who was governor at the time, um, who was
3: from Georgia, yes. Too. <laughs> so it was.
0: I mean, it's it's a lot of mm. a lot mm-hmm. of
3: politics there. And Hicks told um, the recruit, well, the soldiers from Maryland that they would not have to fight any place other than in the state of Maryland and to defend D.C. But there was a skirmish on the Louisville Shore of Virginia, and they were sent out of the state, and it got to be really nasty, and many of the uh, Maryland soldiers felt that they had been betrayed.
0: <laughs> and I think it was Company B of the First Eastern Shore that was all arrested and put into Fort McHenry, incarcerated, and sent home because they refused to fight. Over o- the outside, yeah. Refused <laughs> <Okay.
1: laughs> to go over the line.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it, it the war takes many turns that are not often talked about or even discussed in school, so you get a little sound bite or some bite of this, and you don't get the full details of it
1: and I think that was kind of something that was made real to me when i was uh, when I was working on this book was the the Civil war i mean it's just it's a thing it's like the great depression it's this sort of iconic moment right but as i'm reading they were it was names it was wives it was where they died it was how they died and i think for me it was that moment of like history becoming real putting the flesh on the bones exactly yeah. absolutely putting flesh on the bones and then to know these people were just you know right from dorchester county and to know that they weren't being forgotten i think that was the thing for me too as i was like These men will not be forgotten because they are, they they have been remembered. Their stories are here. As you said, you know, their story, you know, day in the sun telling the story.
0: And there's more to be told. Yes. Um, How did did they get to Natchez, Mississippi and and enlist? That was purely Southern. Natchez at that time was known as the crossroads of the South for American slavery. So were they sold into slavery or... Did the owner move down there with his slaves in tow and enlist them? Yeah. So, I mean, there are more stories to be told. You
2: just went a little too fast for me. Why are we talking about Natchez?
1: Okay. So the soldiers that they tracked were the ones that were were from Dorchester County. But when they would enlist frequently, sometimes they would be enlisting. The
3: location. The Uh
1: location where they were enlisting was Natchez. So how did that person be from Dorchester it's County, but he's enlisting down in Natchez. I think I'm telling that. Oh, far. yes. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that's true. So yes. that is another layer. That's another oh, yes. layer to the mystery onion that we have here.
3: And see, what happens is sometimes the owners uh, were afraid of some of their slaves or they had family members. And so if they didn't could not use them, fully use them, and had more slaves than they could use, they would send them with family members or they would make contracts with uh, individuals in different places. And send the slaves there. And so slaves would enlist in different areas of the country.
2: And they would enlist in, for instance, Natchez for the North? Yep. Oh, all right.
3: Well, yes, yes, for the North.
0: Well, the the slave owner would put the slave in with the sole purpose. Oh, of, of, unloading the money. Him,
2: of unloading them before That's exactly. He could see the
0: writing <laughs> yeah. on the wall. Oh,
3: yes. Now uh,
2: I'm
0: on board. Okay. okay.
2: <laughs> I knew I was missing
3: something and then, important.
0: And then they had a process where they um they made sure that the owner was loyal before he got his money. Okay,
3: and in right. a lot
0: of cases he did not get, get his, his money. money.
3: Because he was a supporter. He or she happened to be a supporter of the Confederacy. Yeah.
1: And there were many female slave owners. I mean, I think sometimes there is a thought a slave owner we think men, we think right. white men, mm-hmm. but there were many of these 563 men that are that are in this book that were owned by women. Oh right. yes. I mean, I, I guess shouldn't have been a surprise to me, but I think, you know, every mm-hmm. you know, it kind of opened my eyes to that component as well. And some were given to
3: um women slave owners when they were children. And um, and when she got older and she got married, the slaves were simply listed as being owned by her husband or a guardian or brother. Jeez. Yeah. But unfortunately, there's one person who we could not list in the book, really? Harriet Tudman.
1: <gasps> That's right.
3: Harriet Tudman was from Dorchester County, and she did serve, but not officially... She could not be listed as a...
2: Because she was a woman.
3: As a woman, and even though she led a military campaign in South Carolina and freed 756 slaves, she was not officially listed, and she fought for a pension. Didn't get it. The only pension she finally got was from her second husband, who was from Elizabeth City, North Carolina.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but she's she's been much in the news, so... Um, so more more has been known popularly about her, but I wasn't aware until recently that the interesting part of her life actually started after. Like she got even more interesting once once the Civil War ended when she was doing. Yes, uh, she she started like a, a home for well,
3: the intrepid. Yes.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. And even Queen Elizabeth wanted her to go to her jubilee. And um, asked her to come, but she was so poor at that time, she and quite elderly and sickly, she couldn't go. So the Queen sent her a beautiful shawl and a golden brooch. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. And a ship was even named after her.
0: Yes. You might want to go visit the new Terry and
1: come. I think this is going to be the moment that spurs me forward. That's that's incredible.
3: I mean, history is so fascinating. As,
2: as as long as we brought it up, because we have a couple minutes, do you guys want to go ahead and, and plug the Harriet Tubman Museum? If you do, you have anything nice to say about it, or only oh. mean things?
3: Was, I
2: enjoyed going oh, there.
3: Yeah, and um, the grand opening was fantastic. Yes, it was. So, I mean, and
0: there is also a Harriet Tubman organization which has a museum
3: in downtown Cambridge, On Ray Street. Yes, that is and um, it shows um, videos of her. Individuals talking about her, and uh, people are in there every day. I was there yesterday.
1: Now, are you both working on Talbot County, or are you yes. still wrapping yeah. up Dorchester County before moving on, or simultaneously, no. how are you approaching it? I, well,
0: I, I've been um, just compiling a list of soldiers um, and from that list, I'll pull Talbot out because I know that after that we're going to do Caroline. Caroline is, is something I want mm-hmm. to do soon because that's also close to Dorchester. Very
3: much so. And it's a part of the Underground Railroad. And, because um, while I was going up to Annapolis, I was doing both Dorchester and Talbot. Two for the price of one. Right. 93 miles away. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs>
2: Well, and the other thing is, I guess you you might find out that you may find out that a lot of these Eastern Shore "quote unquote" people are Caroline and Talbot. You might have yes, you might have more work done than you know.
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So I've been doing a, um, a line by line uh, alphabetical fifty seven hundred and eighty. I think I have so far in my database. Wow. Mm-hmm. So we'll be able to pull from that.
1: Now, when you have a database, are you kind of approaching... I know Clara is approaching this as a historian, you know, professor of history. I know mm-hmm. that Clara comes at it from a historical perspective. So are you coming at it from a genealogist perspective? I guess,
0: or maybe I'm just a collector of dead soldiers. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's, To me, it is very interesting, and without... I hate just compiling a list, but that's where we have to start. Sure. Yes. And because the
1: the, the story is so
0: st- the stories are so rich me. It, and I can't wait to she said we'll give ourselves some time after the Dorchester book before we move forward, but we're already
3: started. <laughs>
1: well it sounds like you've already got uh maybe uh some revisions for the first to, you know, think about and then and then moving on to Talbot. Oh yeah. And then so would it be Caroline first, then Talbot, or no, Talbot, 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 then yeah. yeah. Caroline,
0: and that's o- that's over Dorchester. Mm-hmm. The amount of soldiers oh, yeah. from Talbot,
3: because so when you go to when I was going to Annapolis, I was doing Dorchester and Talbot at the same time because you're going through the same records. It didn't make sense to just close right. the book and start all over again. Sure. So
1: if your eyeballs are already on the
3: page, oh my god, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so again, we. It, uh, the, putting the information together
1: yeah. And I think that was the other thing That sort of struck me about the project Was how many I mean I had no concept of how many African Americans served in the Civil War From this area And then to find out it's Hundreds and hundreds of men That, that served It was I was sort of staggered by that statistic mm.
3: Well I think it was 8,800 Something like that uh, From the state of Maryland but the Eastern Shore had an abundance for, for Somerset and Worcester County, which also includes now uh, Wacomico, 1,840-something. And that's what uh, Burdell and right. I did, uh, men of color to arms. And now 563 and more than that for Tarver. I mean, just the lower shore that's a massive amount of soldiers. soldiers.
1: Right. That I mean, it just it was sort of mind-boggling. I mean, when I when I found out about the book that you did with um, you really Reverend did. Burdell, "Men of Color to Arms," which cataloged Worcester and Somerset together because Wicomico didn't become a county until after the Civil War. Right. So we we can kind of just, but that was all that territory, and then to know that you both are continuing on to track. This data, I mean, it's incredible, and I just, my hat's off to you both for, for going after it. Labors of love. <laughs> obsession.
2: <laughs> do you know what I always have as a labor of love?
1: And an obsession? Yes. What? Your limericks.
2: Absolutely. How can people get a limerick?
1: Well, if you like the show and you like what you're hearing, and maybe if you would like a limerick and a haiku, what you can do is go to www. So what's your story Podcast.com. Click on the contact us button and give us your name, your email address, a uh, mailing address. You can pick a word, Tony will put it into a limerick, I will make it into a haiku, we will put it on a fancy schmancy postcard, we will put a stamp on it, and pay a guy to bring it to your house.
2: Just like it's pre-Civil War era. And maybe it'll come on a pony. <laughs> maybe it will. <laughs> and, and also, if you want to take a look at the postcards, we do, because we have postcards printed, you can see them on the So What's Your Story podcast Absolutely.
1: Website. They look very, very cool. They're a very uh, old-school, vintage uh, letterpress, which would have been Civil War technology.
2: All right, Stephanie. Well, now was part of the show where you thank the guests.
1: Well, Clara and Terry, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast and talking about this with us. Thank you. Thank you.
0: So What's Your Story was recorded at Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at SoWhat'sYourStoryPodcast.com where you can find past episodes, guest bios, shows, notes, and all sorts
3: of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And if you like it, then feel free to give us a good review. Tell your story.